Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we welcome back Gino Barbaro. Hi, Gino. Hey, Gino. Hey, guys. How you doing? Oh, we're doing great. And uh, you guys have heard Gino on the podcast before. He was all the way back on episode three, which, believe it or not, Gino, was over 100 episodes ago. So thank you so much. And in that time, Gino has had a ton happening and they were already doing a ton. But so just quick background on Gino, uh, Jake and Gino. So Gino Barbaro and Jake Stinziano, uh, his partner in crime, brought their first multifamily property back in February of 2013. And that's not even five years ago, guys. And let's just listen to what has happened. They've since amassed a multifamily portfolio of 850 units in less than five years. He teamed up with Jake, created Jake and Gino, a real estate educational platform that offers coaching and training in real estate investing. And he's the best-selling author of Wheelbarrow Profits, which you guys will love this book. He has a copyright here if you're watching on YouTube. He hosts a top 10 real estate podcast on iTunes, Wheelbarrow Profits, uh, aptly named. And Gino is a graduate of iPad. Institutional Professional Excellence in Coaching and is a certified professional coach. Also, the author of the best-selling cookbook, Family Food and the Friars. And that's one thing we had Gino down at his meetup. We're going to make him do a cook-off with us next time. (laughs) That sounds great. Here's where it gets awesome. Gino is a resident uh, of New York State and uh, grew up there and lived there. And he recently said... I've done what I wanted and I'm continuing to do what I want. He relocated to St. Augustine, Florida with his beautiful wife, Julia, and their six children, Gabriella, Michael, Sophia, Veronica, Cecilia, and Laura. Gino, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for inviting me, guys. I wonder who that guy is. That guy sounds like he's done a lot of stuff in the last couple of years, huh? (laughs) First 40 years of the life, I was was sleepwalking. Then all of a sudden, I woke up one day and I said, hey, I got to wake up. I got to get moving because life is too damn short, right? And wake up, you did. We are so honored to have you back on. We brought Gino back on because we are inviting our mentors, people who have been key in our lives as investors, as people. And Gino has definitely been that. So thank you so much for all of your help, Gino. Thank you so much. So grateful. So when now, before you had a story and now you have a story and when people come up to you and say, hey, Gino, what do you do? What do you say? It's funny because my my Daughters and my kids ask me, what do you do? I'm, I'm home basically all the time. They don't know what I'm doing. Actually, my daughter was at the live event and she wanted to raise her hand and say, well, dad, what do you do? And basically, I talk to people all day. I help people out. Um, I'm fortunate because I would not be here right now if I didn't have partners. Um, my partnership with Jake, my partnership with my other real estate partner, um, the ability to grow the education platform, having team members, I would not be anywhere near that. So I think people have to understand to build a viable business, especially in real estate, it's all about your network and it's all about really getting help from others because you can't do it by yourself, right? I'm on this podcast right now. You know where my buddy is? My buddy Jake right now is at a closing. Uh, we're refining a property right now. So he takes care of the day-to-day operations of the, the platform of the real estate. I do day-to-day operations of the education. And it's like, um, if you guys can see it here, it's like a spoke. You know, the spoke, the wheel has multiple spokes. So the investment part, day-to-day operations is one. The education platform is another spoke. You want to build that wheel with as many spokes, as many, you know, streams of income. I wish I'd known this 10 years ago. I was working at a restaurant. I had one job. It was a linear job, nine to five. I could only make X amount of money. But the ability to have partnerships and the ability to learn from other people and the ability to lean on other people and 
the ability to be held accountable is something that you can't get working by yourself. And let me tell you, frankly, it's freaking boring working by yourself. Um, the great thing about doing what I'm doing now is I work with who I want to work with, when I want to work with, why I want to work with, and where I want to work with. That's the best thing that's going on with my life right now. That's what I want to teach people about that financial education, getting out of the rat race and saying, you do have a choice. You do have the ability to do that. That is so amazing. There's so much information there. Getting out of the rat race, yeah. doing what you're supposed to do, doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I, if if our listeners out there there didn't get enthused about like getting into real estate, any avenue with just that speech, I don't yeah. even know what. <laughs> so if you weren't sitting here on this podcast right now, what would you be doing? Uh, right now, I was actually doing videos for the live event product that we did. So you know, we, there's a lot of videos that we have to do. Uh, I'm actually corresponding a lot on bigger pockets, trying to help people out on bigger pockets. I'm creating content for the Jake and Gino platform, doing doing uh, articles for them. Uh, like a lot of reading, and the, you know how it is, Jason. The market is constantly changing, so you have to constantly keep abreast of what's going on, what's going on with interest rates, what's going on with financing, um, other stuff. We're sourcing deals all the time, so I'm constantly talking to brokers. So it's a constant day, and now we're starting to uh, starting to hire sales sales team. So I'm, hiring, I'm doing interviews. So it's um, it's a really hectic, really hectic, but great day for me. Yeah, it's an amazing day. So let's yeah. let's backtrack a little bit and talk a little bit about reading and and writing. And I'm right now I'm holding up your book, Wheelbarrow Profits. Can you tell me why you decided to write this book? Um, you know, it was just a thing that Jake and I had bought our third deal. We had a little bit over 200 units, and we just said to ourselves, "How do we do this?" And we had seen a theme recurring in all of our deals. And it's funny, once you do something once, you feel a little incompetent. The second time you do it, you feel a little clumsy still. But by the third time, it's like sort of like, okay, I can do this. And by our third deal, I said, Jake, let's write everything down, see how it works, and see if we can create a framework for ourselves. And it was that's what it was, Wheelbarrow Profits, a three-step framework. It was to buy right, to manage right, and to finance right. That's the shape of the wheelbarrow. And you need all three of those legs to be strong. And the other thing we saw in our deals, and I'm sure you see it in a lot of your deals, we dealt with a lot of mom and pop investors. You know, mom and pop investors, they could be five units, they could be 500 units, but there's all one thing with mom and pop investors. They're all motivated sellers. They all want to get out and sell for a reason. And that's what we saw in our book. And that's what made me, you know, have the inspiration to write the book. That's great. This book has helped so many people. And for beginning investors, whenever a beginning investor asks me, what book should I read? I always say, pick up Wheelbarrow Profits. It is like... It's basically the Bible. This is how you start. This is how you start investing. It gives you A to B to C, all the way to Z, what to do, when to do it. So pick up this book. And now with the book, are you were you guys who wrote a book in a week or did it take you a couple months or... <laughs> It took a while because you know what happened? We didn't know. It looks like anything else. We should have probably gotten a ghostwriter to write it for us. But Jake and I were sitting there writing down page after page. And we ended up getting somebody to help us edit it. So they actually did interviews with us and wrote it. But it was all our voice. It was all our content. And we just wanted it to be ourselves. It took a lot longer than what it should have. You know how it goes. I'm thinking of doing a second book, but that's going to take time and effort, putting some case studies in there. But um, I was just, it was a process. It was, it was a learning process. And the great thing about it is, guys, when you write a book, you have to do research. So you're learning on the topic as you're writing, which I thought was also you know, a fantastic way to learn on the topic even better. Yeah, it's amazing. So if you look back and now your huge five years you've had, what's been your most memorable, memorable experience? 
Um, memorable experience, March 1st, 2016, when I left the restaurant full time, I had been scaling down and I left that, I left that day. Um, and it was just a great feeling. It felt like a great achievement, a great accomplishment. All of a sudden I just can do what I wanted to. It was a weird thing for me. But even before then we had that 281 unit deal. We did it, you know, an owner finance deal was $11 million. It was no money down. That was the, I guess the pinnacle of our, our thing. Cause once I got that deal, I knew that that was going to lead to the financial freedom for me. So, I mean, there, there's a couple, but you remember those days, one of my, one of the most important days of my life was when I bought the restaurant back in 1994, May 17th, 1994. That's when I took over, um, got into business with my dad and my brother. And that was an awesome day, but you know how it goes, Jason, with small businesses, it runs its course. I mean, competition comes into play. Uh, the 2008 recession came and it just, it just hurt. It just, you know, hurt the business, a lot of competition. It wasn't enough for two families. And, you know, thankfully I got pushed out of my comfort zone and I actually had to go and say to myself, well, let me see if I can get some residual income, make a couple thousand bucks a month in passive income. That's what we all strive for, right? When I was at your live and I was at your meetup, I had a couple of guys speaking to, and that's what they strive for. And my, you know, my question to everyone is why should you just reach for so low? Why not think bigger? I wish I had thought bigger sooner. I probably would have gotten out sooner, but you know, we always think too small. So think to yourself, how can I get to the rat race? What is my financial number? And I always tell young people, millennials, this, don't worry about the consumption, worry about producing, worry about getting out of the rat race as soon as you're young. Because once you can do that, you have the time freedom, all these other opportunities can come into your life that you can't even explain. Like I've got opportunities to, you know, invest in vacation rentals. Now I've got opportunities to do speaking engagements, you know, and, and there's things that just come into your life that to do if you're working nine to five and having to pay those bills. Yeah, that's incredible. And if you now look at this and you have someone in front of you, what is some advice you tell person about, tell someone about the right time to jump out of their comfort zone, maybe quit their job? Because there, there's a threshold, right? Maybe if you just open up your first book and you have a full-time job and you, you haven't done a deal, it may not be the best time to say, oh, I quit. I'm just going to jump into real estate full-time. What is that hurdle that you feel is a good marker for someone? You know, for everyone, it's, everyone is different. For me, I was old enough and I had, you know, anyone can make an excuse. I, so I was in the process. I have a really big family, big nut in New York. So for me, I just, just fed up. I, you know, I needed to contribute more in life. I needed to grow. So I got to that point, you know, midlife crisis. I didn't need the Porsche. I didn't need that, but I, I needed to do something different. Um, I think people just have to figure out their why in life and just get out of sleepwalking and say, what do you really want to do? I mean, you don't have to invest in real estate or become financially free. Just find something that you really like to do and commit time to it. And then, you know, money's not the cause money's the result. That's what ends up happening. You get to be really good at something that all of a sudden the money starts coming. And, and what happens is a lot of us, we quit before we get really good. I mean, I see what's going on with the Jake and Gino education platform. We're doing it for two years. We're actually not bad. We're monetizing a little bit, but every week I have a, a new win and then another new win and then another new win. And I have my partners pushing me to do that. So I think people just quit too prematurely because they don't see the, uh, they don't see the fruit in the very beginning. So just stick to it. And as far as people trying to get out at any time, you know, when it's time, you just have that feeling you're fed up. I was fed up living in New York. I hated the cold. You guys are having snow again today. It's yep. 60 degrees. I'm on, I'm on a scooter right now with my kids. So, um, <laughs> you know, you, you know, how, you'll, you'll know when it is my, my property taxes up there. And now it's funny because now the tax law is going to force people out of New York even more. The tax law in this winter are going to force people out of those States because it's getting expensive. So I was trying to be proactive. I saw it coming years ago. I just see that New York is not sustainable. They're going to do whatever they want to do. You can tax 
corporate, hire, hire earn as much as you want. But there's going to be a threshold. And I think we're getting close to that threshold. So um, as far as people, just find your M&P, your mission and your purpose. And once you find that, just dive into what you really want to do. So you just mentioned something really, really key. So what is your mission and what is your purpose? I think right now it's just really to speak to people, help people get out of the financial rat race and make them become become financially intelligent. That doesn't mean investing in real estate. If you're into cryptocurrency, learn about cryptocurrency, but spend a year or two years dive line, sign up to Coinbase and buy, buy Litecoin and then say, oh, well, I lost money. Well, there's a lot more to that, right? I mean, it's the same thing with multifamily. You just can't go on bigger pockets and listen to three podcasts and think you're proficient at it. If you want to be like that, Go hire somebody or mentor or coach with somebody that's done it before or partner with somebody that's done it before. Leverage their knowledge, their skill base, and work with them. It really comes down to you know the uh, richest man in Babylon, right? There's seven laws. One of those laws is you know, align yourself with people that know what they're doing. If you don't want to spend the 10,000 hours to become proficient at something, as Dave, Zook, as Dave Zook said, I had him on our podcast yesterday. He says, leverage somebody who has that time and that ability. Become a partner with them and, and you can save so much time and energy by doing that and get into the multifamily space. It doesn't mean you have to do it by yourself. Everyone's so afraid to spend some money on their own education. We're all into this college thing. But spend money and spend time on yourself because that will, you'll have that forever. That's amazing. So you also mentioned this and we've already asked you this question, but I want to ask you again, what is your big why? Uh, well, it's my family. I mean, you know, I've got six kids. Uh, I just want to be a role model to them. I mean, more than anything else, I want them to say, well, dad's pretty cool. He's got a great job. He loves his life. And you know, when you're happy, your family's happy. It resonates and they know they can feel that happiness. And, you know, as a parent, I think our responsibility is to keep our kids safe and keep our kids happy and have them grow up and have them leave the house and have them feel, you know, safe, secure, and comfortable with themselves. And I think that's my mission and purpose ultimately. And if I can do that through teaching people a multifamily, a good role model, I think I've, I think I've achieved my goal. That's great. Do you have a moment that in your entrepreneurial day that you dislike? Uh, that's a good question. You know, it's funny. I don't know about the days anymore. I mean, I, I want to recommend the book to everyone out there. It's called The Millionaire Fast Lane. It's by MJ DeMarco. Yeah. You've got to read the book because he talks about the scripted life and humans basically have scripted the seven days, Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. That's a human conscript. That's how we are actually, you know, being, what's the word? We're being controlled, right? I don't have that anymore. I wake up Monday morning. I love it. I actually don't like the weekends because it's a lot of traffic. Everything's crowded. And I really have to take time off. I love to work. I love to be on the computer. I love to talk to people and everyone shuts down. So, I mean, actually the weekends are a little bit slow for me sometimes. If I'm not doing something, if I'm not going around, I like Monday through Friday because I like to get up and work. It wasn't like that years ago, but it's, it's changed for me. Nice. So I, this will be a, a more of a personal question because Peely and I, as we grow our family, how do you manage with six kids and, and work-life balance <laughs> when you're at home so much? It's a good question. I'm actually in the process of buying a home that's going to have a little garage detached with an office. Um, and that's one of the things I actually got an office downtown with a couple of real estate guys just to go there a couple of days a week to get out of the office and to network to, uh, we have an assistant there. So it's just a little bit of space. Um, working out of the house, it's, it's a great concept. It's a great idea, but I got my door closed. I'm praying to God, nobody walks in here right now. You know what I'm saying? It's just the way, it's just the way it is. I keep peeking back and forth every now and again, just to make sure nobody walks in. And it's, um, it can be tough because you're in a groove and all of a sudden somebody interrupts you and you want to say to yourself, Oh, well, you don't want to miss those moments. But when you're working and you're concentrating, you have those three or four hours blocked off. You really need to be productive at that time. And sometimes it's hard to work 
from the house. So, I mean, if you can go out, rent an office for 500 bucks a month, share it with somebody, be able to network with somebody, you'll be able to get connections there. And, and it's just your own space. And I think you need your own space. And I, that's why I, that's why I got the office downtown. It's been great. It's been awesome. So whenever I need to go for a couple hours, I get, I get out, you know, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you're, you're almost at this point now, but if, if you could never work again, would you, and why would you? No, I would, I would always want to do something. That's why I became a coach because, you know, you're, you're 68 years old, you're retired, you're sitting on the beach. You can still life coach people. You can still have the ability to, to help people out. I can jump on a phone with people. I can, I can always consult with somebody. Um, I can always help people take a deal down. I can always help people raise money. I, I could never not see myself working like you. I mean, you're in the construction of the restaurant business. Just work is, is, is in your blood. I mean, it's ingrained in you. And I would get so bored because you know what happens? You know, people with millions of dollars, they're just not happy. They have party. And after three months, the lust is gone. And you know why? Because they're not, they're not growing. They're not contributing. So I know that already. So if I, if I ever become quote unquote a gazillionaire, it's not going to change anything. It's, you don't really do it for the money. You really do it more for the passion and for, you know, contributing, I think. Yeah. Well, going off of passions, what do you consider to be success as an entrepreneur? Um, hold number one, paying the bills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, success as an entrepreneur, I think really trying to strive to, to what you're a mission statement. Um, and you know, as entrepreneurs is in the multifamily space, just to continue to grow your portfolio, grow your platform. Um, what your mission statement is, what our mission statement is in, in the, in the, in the multifamilies, we want to serve tenants you know, clean, modern, affordable. So that's our mission statement in that business. We want to have superior customer service. Jake calls it, he wants to be the Chick-fil-A of apartment investing. And if any of you ever walked into Chick-fil-A, like Jason, they're always smiling. They're happy. They want you to be there. That's how we want our people. That's how we're training our, our people to work. And it's a system business. And um, you can do that. You, you, I, we want to do that as far as the multifamily. So um, that's what we're striving to do. When you now have a lot of people who are trying to break themselves away from the rat race, what, what kind of, I, I, I I'll call them hacks, but what kind of steps or advice could you give someone who, to stay focused when maybe they're getting pulled, they have their job, they have 20 other things going on, but they have to, they're trying to stay focused because they know the bigger picture is to create their financial, financial freedom and break out of the rat race. That's a great question. I, first thing I would do is I'd really call a uh, considered hiring a life coach, maybe for five, six, 10 calls. They'll give you a questionnaire. I have a questionnaire that I can give to your, to your listeners. Just a real questionnaire, a deep dive into yourself, what your goals are, what your vision is, what your happiness is. Because it's not just by getting out of the rat race. You want to hit on all cylinders in your life, whether it's family, whether it's financial, whether it's fitness, whether it's family, whether it's friends. It's, it's just not about financial because if your financial can be great, your others are lacking. So you want to have some type of balance. So I think the first thing to do is to take a holistic view of how your life is going. And the second thing is once you get that done, you need to be held accountable. Get a buddy who you can get on and have an email once a week or twice a week and start setting goals for yourself. Start looking at one year, three years, and five years out what you want to accomplish and where you want to be. You have to set up a roadmap for yourself. And if you don't, you're never going to get there. If you can't focus on where you want to go, you're never going to get there. You know, if you talk to people, you say, hey, what do you want to do? They'll tell you what you don't want to do, the majority of people. Well, if you don't want to do that, that's not what you're focusing on. I was doing the same thing. I didn't want to be in the restaurant for the last seven or eight years. That's not where my focus should be. What do I want to do is where my focus should be. Because wherever you focus is 
where it goes. And if you're asking your brain those questions, I don't want to be in the restaurant. What's the answer to that? There's no answer to that because I ended up saying, well, I want to become financially free. Well, next question is how do you do that? So keep asking yourself questions and start building out a framework for yourself. If that makes sense. Turning the negative into an actionable focus step for the positive. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. Talking a little bit about negative, what popular entrepreneurial advice do you disagree with? Hmm. I don't really listen to too much advice from entrepreneurs. I'm trying to think of all the guys that we've had on our show. Um, I don't know. I, I think the word people use when they use the word grinding, you'll hear that a lot. I, I just don't like that connotation because we all have to grind, but it's a negative connotation. Like the words are powerful. You know, the reason why I only had one restaurant, but I have 850 multifamily units and we're going to hit a thousand soon is because I had a mom who said, we have to say small, we have to be a small business. Well, those words are such so powerful on us. And I only had one restaurant and I was a great cook. I, I knew what I was doing, but unfortunately I wasn't the Steve Jobs thinking bigger, right? So I think that word grinding, it doesn't have to be a grind. If you if you do what you like, just just watch how you speak to yourself. I think that's the most important thing. And for me, it's not a grind. It can be grinding sometimes, but I don't call it that. It's just thinking about the next step and thinking about the next process. That's great. That's yeah. actually really great advice right there. Watching your words because what you say is usually Huge. what you believe. Huge. And like you just said, where focus goes, energy flows. So if you focus on the negative and the negative words like grind or stay small or small business, mm-hmm. um, then that's how you're going to think. That's so right. thank you for that. That's right. I agree with that. Totally. And if you look forward now, let's say 30 or 40 years, what would you want people to remember about your company or how would you want to be remembered? Um, really just as, just as a family guy, uh, not squeezing out the last dollar from every transaction, leaving some meat on the bone for the next guy. Uh, just having people say, Hey, he's great. I mean, Hey, you know, it's good to have more barbers in the world. That's, that's what I want to be remembered as more than anything else. Just listen, we help each other out. And, and that's, you can do that in real estate. Cause there's a, you know, the great thing about real estate, everyone eats at the table and that's the great thing about it. Whether it's a broker, whether it's a banker, whether it's a property manager, whether it's another, we all eat at the table. And if we can all work together and get the deal done, that's, that's what I think I like to be remembered as. So you're talking now about leaving me in the bone. Are you ever going <coughs> to think about selling properties? Well, you know, we've been refinancing. So uh, there comes a time when your properties get valued at a crazy level. And you say to yourself, the return on equity that I have in these deals, if I refi it out, it doesn't make sense because it's not going to cash flow. So we've, we've come up with that. We've got one or two properties like that. So, you know, we're considering it. Um, but it's just hard because we bought them at such good prices. They're cash flowing really well now. And we don't want to sell. It's, it's, it's like a mindset. You know, once we, we're accumulated, we're still in the accumulation phase. Um, and just we're there. I mean, I would definitely sell one of these properties if it, if it appreciates more. So don't ever say never, say never. anything. you have to be flexible in life because things change real quick in this market. So that's one of the things I learned as an entrepreneur. You have to be flexible and you have to not care about being right or wrong, just doing whatever the market gives you. Got it. Wow. Well, put on your, put on your genie hat. Where, where are we going with this market? It seems, it seems to have no end at some point. Everybody keeps going for it. I don't know because I keep, you know, if you've read, if you heard the Marcus Samilla chap, uh, I did. Yesterday, I mean, Hussein, he 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 put out a post, and a lot of the stuff that he makes says makes a ton of sense because um, you still have rent growth. People are not buying homes, so they're renting. So rents are still going higher, which doesn't make sense to me, right? People are moving down south to where we are, right? But they're not buying; they're renting, right? People who are millennials have much more of a debt load, so not they're not buying houses and they're renting longer, and they're not having families, so they're renting longer in that respect. People who are baby boomers are retiring and downsizing. So what are they doing? They're renting also. So 
I don't know where it's going. It's, it depends about what, what happens, A, with the, with the economy. The economy slows down. We go into a recession. Rents are going to drop, obviously. People are still going to still be renting, but rents are going to drop. That's why you have to be careful with where you're buying. And I think the second point is you just have to be careful what market you're investing in because some markets are going to do much better. Some markets are going to do much worse. But I, I found it odd that he was saying that New York, actually rents are actually dropping in New York City, if you, you you should all listen to that. Uh, you should post this on the show notes because it, it was great. Because you're trying to figure out what's going on long term as far as affordable housing. 150,000 units we need per year. They're only producing 50,000 units per year, and even less with the new tax law coming into effect. So my space, the C space, they're not building anymore. You're getting older properties, but there's not that much inventory in that. So that that space, and as you know, about half this country lives on 50,000 bucks a year or less. So those people need a place to live, and they're not buying homes. So it's really weird, right? You have this market that's been elevating for years, but there's still demographics and there's still parameters of why it's elevating. And I don't know when, um, I just think you have to buy really smart. You have to buy properties that you can add value to. You can raise the rents or decrease expenses and just, you know, and the thing is with this favorable financing, you're getting three years interest only at four and a half percent. It's really cheap money. That's the other thing that's keeping this market going is this financing. So once that turns around, that's another piece of the puzzle. So just be careful with the economy and be careful with financing. We're constantly saying, because we get that question a lot, you know, well, we're just waiting for, you know, the peak and then, then we're going to go into it. And our point is, well, what are you doing right now? Well, we're just waiting, but no, you need to take action. You need to start analyzing properties because by the time it does hit that peak, you're not going to realize that we're going down and then you haven't started analyzing yet. And then we're going to get to the bottom and you haven't started analyzing yet. That's so right. Way back up. So start analyzing as many deals as you can now. So the second something comes around, it actually looks like it makes sense sticking on actuals. You just jump at it. And Jason, you nailed the, you know, you nailed the, the nail right on the head because if you're raising private money right now and you're trying to syndicate deals, you have to start yesterday because you have to make those substantive relationships. You have to show people your business plan. Even if there aren't any deals, you need to look because if you're not looking like Jake and I, we had bought our last property we bought was in March of 2016. We just closed on two deals in December of this year. We waited 18 months. We weren't really looking that hard, but once we started looking, Deal started coming to us. So we closed on two in December and we're going to be closing on one in, uh, in March of this year. So that's three deals in two, three months because we started looking and we actually said it's a seven cap environment. We're buying a seven cap with value add. So I think you have to start looking for those deals out there. But as far as raising capital, you have to start making those relationships. You have to start talking to people, start building your invested database right now because six months from now or three years from now, when the market does correct, you've got these people in your pipeline and you know how vitally important that is. And that's what we're doing. We haven't syndicated a deal yet. It's been all our own portfolio. It's been all our refinance and roll money. So we're starting to do that right now. We're starting to create investors. We're starting to create, that's why we're doing these live events to get people together, to get people to trust us, to get people to you know, know what our business model looks like. But start farming out those relationships right now because it's important. Because like I said, if you think it's going to correct in a year, you need, to have, you need to have your resources ready to go. Yeah, love it. Love it. So we have the multifamily business, the coaching business, the, the, the cooking book, <laughs> so the, the, the real estate book, uh, the, the training platform. What's the <laughs> best business idea you've had that you, you know you'll never do? Well, you know what? I had Gino's family. I don't know. The cookbook was part of the uh, restaurant. We, we had a uh, small restaurant. It was really, really popular place, right? But what I wanted to do was create a physical products business. So I ended up creating Gino's family. We had bucket bags, garden bucket bags, vertical hanging bags. I had cooking knives. I had like five or six eBooks. So it was a products and a physical product business. And basically I had cooking videos and training videos. I was growing a garden in New York, growing vegetables with my kids, 
on a video, bringing them into the kitchen, cooking with them. So I wanted to have this whole product base around the restaurant and have a physical products business, have something on the internet, and yet have a location where, hey, you want to come in and have a meal with the family? And just like from farm to table with your family. And we started that, but unfortunately, my brother just wasn't there yet. And it was, it was, it was so frustrating because you have one partner who wants to do the old way and I was trying to do the new way. And that actually was a great learning experience because I learned how to video on camera. I learned how to create products. I learned how to do sales leads and sales funnels and all that stuff with that product and ended up transitioning to Jake and Gino. But I, I love that. That was a lot of fun because you know, you, you're growing carrots in the garden and all of a sudden you're cooking them in, in, in the kitchen with the kids and you're showing people how important it is to have a meal with family and how to sit down around the table with the kids. And it was, it was awesome. I just wish, just, I guess, in a way, I wish that that would have worked out, but then I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now, right? <laughs> well, are, is everything still on? Like, it's on it's YouTube? on. It's on. It's, I have it on YouTube. I have it on YouTube videos. I think if you go under Gino's Trattoria uh, YouTube page, you'll see all the videos I have on there. I have my kids cooking penne vodka and all that stuff. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. it I'm going to look that up and put it in the show yeah. notes. <laughs> it was great. Please so maybe, do. Maybe we should actually invite your kids on the on the show for this next question. If you had to battle a Tyrannosaurus Rex, what weapon would you use? I use my legs to run away. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> no shot, bro. I have no shot. You know what I mean? Good. I like that. I like I that it. one. <laughs> I love it. What's what's your greatest fear as an entrepreneur? Uh, greatest fear. Mm. Well, you know, I think greatest fear is, is just, that's a good question. I'm not really, I'm not really afraid of anything anymore. I mean, basically you just want to pay the bills. You want to make sure you're doing okay. I guess the greatest fear is not, not being relevant and not putting out good content and not serving your, 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 your people to your best of your ability, because I, I don't want to grow so big that all of a sudden the platform, I can't get back to everyone. I can't talk to everyone. That That's my fear. My fear is getting so big that like a lot of these gurus don't have time for anybody. And I just don't want to do that. I want to be accessible, but yet you want to make money. You want to monetize it. So there's going to be a balance there. That's just on me being able to hire the right team members, have the right people in place and being able to grow. So like I said, right now, that's a learning process that we're going through. What's the key to great content creation? The key is to be inspired and I think the other key is to actually ask people what they're looking for, because I can create all the content I want, but that's just based on me. Um, what people look for in multifamily, I think, is they always ask for, how do you find a deal? And I'm going to give everyone the secret on how to find a deal right here in 30 seconds or less. Network with brokers. Go into a market, find out who the top four or five multifamily brokers are, take them out to lunch, um, buy them gifts, learn all about them. Make sure you're the number one or number two call they're going to make because there's off-market deals all the time. They want to be able to close. Show them how you're going to be able to close in a deal and give them your business plan or what I like to say, credibility book. I think that's the most important thing. And as far as creating content, ask your community what they want. A lot of guys saying, how do I, how do I, I'll give you an example. Guys trying to work out a deal. How do you do a lot of intent? How does the sales process go? So I created a video for our community starting from the letter of intent all the way to the purchase and sale and all the way to the closing and due diligence. So you just have to ask people what they want and then give them what they want. Yeah. love it. Love it. We get that a lot to the steps. I think, um, maybe a good question we had and, uh, there was people on both sides of it with your letter of intent. Do you give your due diligence checklist too? Um, no, we, the letter of intent is non-binding. So every state is sort of different. You can either have the, the, uh, 
a broker give one, or we normally give ours. It's usually a 30 day due diligence. Um, and then 60 days after that to do to, to close, depending on how, how complicated the deal goes. Um, but you know, as far as that, we have a due diligence checklist and we keep revising, we keep, you keep missing one thing and then missing another thing. And we've got like maybe 25 or 26 things on there. I just tell everyone, when you start your due diligence process, there's three steps you want to do. You do your financial first and make sure that the due diligence process does not start until you get every piece of information. You want all the numbers because mom and pops give you one number here, 12 months PL here, three years of CapEx here. They'll give you, uh, you, you know, uh, expenses here. You want everything to start and get it all at once. Make sure those numbers really work. Once they work, move on to your physical. Don't, don't, call for inspection until you know those numbers are really good. And if the numbers aren't good, you go back to the seller and say, well, these are not the actual numbers. You retrade on those numbers. And if he doesn't want to you walk away in the deal, don't spend any more money with more contracts or more inspections. But then if the, if they do work, go to your physical, do the inspection, go into every single unit. Don't be cheap. Make sure that there's a hundred doors, make sure you go to every single one uh, and get a per unit cost. We, we pay a relatively expensive fee for it. I think it's 20 to 20 bucks a door to do an inspection on ours. It's not expensive because we've done several with the guy. Right. Um, and then the third thing is the legal. Make sure you get your CFO, make sure you do title insurance, make sure everything's legal there. There's no liens. So follow that framework and you're going to need at least 30 days to do all that. Get 30 days to do the due diligence. And then, like I said, an additional 30 days to get your financing done. But the financing should be started as soon as you get the deal. Send it over to your mortgage broker, your banker, let him underwrite it and start that process before you even start your due diligence. So by day 60, you should have that wrapped up. That's awesome. That was three minutes of gold, people. So if you need to, I would definitely rewind that because that just gave you all the steps because it moves quick. If you're not ready for it, the second you get a property under contract, things move really quick. You think you have 45 and 30 and a five-day extension that, that, that could choose up really quick if you're waiting to day 40 to go reach out for a bank. And you can add also as far as raising money, and we haven't raised money in a deal yet. If you're raising money, it gets even more complicated. So go to, like you said, an Advanta IRA where you told me, set up a landing page with them. Start having them fund your deal. Take some stuff off the table. Make sure you contact the syndication attorney. Get those papers done beforehand because it does take a couple of weeks. They don't work on your timeline. They work on their timeline. So give them time. Don't pressure them. Try to get those steps ahead of time. Um, we haven't syndicated a deal yet, so I don't know how that's going to look, but it's going to take a little bit more time uh, to do it. If you have a 1031 transaction going on, that might take a little bit more time to slow things down. So every deal is unique in every aspect, but I think what I laid out is just for your general plain Jane uh, deal. So that's great. That's great. So much great information. What is making you uncomfortable now with the, the stage of your business? Um, just growing, just doing new opportunities, hiring guys to start a sales team. I've never really done that. I mean, I had 40 employees at the restaurant. It's a different type of different type of um, employee. Uh, service is different than sales. I mean, sales guys, you got to hold them accountable. You got to make sure that they do sales steps. So we're, you know, tightening up our sales pages. We're doing all that stuff. So to me, it's a little uncomfortable because I've never done it before. Um, will I succeed? I will sooner or later. I'll get that right guy in the seat. Um, but it might take a little bit of time. And as far as just growing the platform, we just hired a regional manager to oversee the 900 units, probably a year or two late. Um, but she's great. She was in the company. She was um, getting we promoted within. The next thing we've done, which I think is pretty awesome. I think we, we, this is, we we're talking about podcasts. We had Jay Papasan from the one thing on, and he was talking about rewarding employees. So what we do, what we're doing is we're allowing our employees to invest in our deals. So it's almost like a golden handcuff kind of thing that if they invest in the deal, you want to invest 50,000, 25,000, whatever, 1% or 2%. It feels like they're vested in the deal. It feels like they're part of the company. And we want to do that. Obviously if they leave, 
we'll divest them. But that really makes employees feel empowered. And that's what we're trying to do. You're trying to hire the right type of employee in the thing. And, you know, as far as creating systems, you know, we had Wayne Curzon, I don't know if you remember from EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating Systems. Everyone should read the book Traction by Gino Wickman. That's a great book for you to start setting up systems in your business. And the other one is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Another great book that everybody should, those two books, if you're an entrepreneur, you're setting up or starting a business, every business can be systematized. And if it can't be systematized, then you got to get out of business. Because like I said, the restaurant business was hard to systematize because you know chains. The food is, ah, it's, there's, there's systems in the food. The food is not so great. That's one thing that turned me off. You go to Papa John's Pizza, it's Papa John's Pizza, right? It's nothing to be proud of. They make a ton of money, but it's hard to systematize that kind of business. But as far as property management, once you train them, it should be the same thing in every office. So that's that's what's exciting to me about real estate, that you can actually learn how to implement systems and continue to grow. That's awesome. Amazing. Well, Gino, thank you so much. Again, another incredible action-packed, knowledge-filled podcast. So just... Guys, if you're out there, jakeandgino.com has a ton of information for you, has all the information for you to find out about Gino and uh, is, is uh, I guess, podcast will about profits, but the, the best place to reach you would be Gino at Jake and Gino. Yep. Gino, jakeandgino.com. The website is jakeandgino.com. If you want all your listeners, if they want to email me at gino at jakeandgino.com, uh, just email me if they want to leave a review on the podcast or leave a re- review on your podcast. Uh, I'll send them over a free book. Um, I think that's pretty cool since it's, uh, you know, you guys are on over a hundred episodes. So that's a testament to patience, persistence, uh, because it takes a lot to get that many shows on. I mean, you guys are almost eclipsing us. We've been doing it for two years. So Maybe um, a little bit of insanity too. I'm trying to get my wife to do it. Uh, I want to do a podcast with her on family and all that. And she's like, ah, so I, it's a testament. It's great working together, isn't it? I mean, it's a lot of fun and it's something different. A lot of people aren't doing this. So it's, it's, it's awesome that you two guys are working together. It well, feels so you. good. We'll give you a trick for your wife. One day, just invite her into the room and don't tell her you turned on the mic and then, and then just start the podcast and hey. she'll feel stuck. <laughs> That's what he did. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did that to our friend. Yes. Yeah, so Ariane, we, we, said, we said, hey, let's podcast. get on a Zoom call. And we said, okay, we're doing a podcast. And she's like, what? <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Now I got to frame the call, see what the call is about. I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Yep. And she will never <laughs> no pressure at all. Great. None at all. I'm going to yeah. do that. That's a good idea. Thank you. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, Gino, thank, you thank you again so much, Gino, for being on. You're welcome. And again, everybody who's listening, I'm just going to repeat what Gino said. If you leave us a review, if you leave Gino a review on uh, and on Jake and Gino and Wheelbarrow Profits, or if you leave us a review, he will send you a book for free. And again, I'm going to show everybody the book. This is cool. Wheelbarrow Barrel Profits yeah, by awesome Jake and Gino. And it is, it's an amazing book. Yeah. There we go. Thanks, right, guys. Thank- Thank you so much. Well, thank you again. And thank you to everybody else out there for listening. This is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you so much, Gino, for being on. And thank you. So grateful for everybody to listen, for listening. Thank you again. You're welcome, guys. Bye, Gino. We appreciate each of you listening to our show. And if you like what you hear, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rated review. Five stars. And... Give us some questions on Facebook. We'd love to have your questions answered by our guests on some of our next show. You can find us on Facebook at the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.